All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly. Let's declare the excellence of the Lord. I do a prophetic declaration quickly. Let's begin that uh, from the book of um, Psalm, Psalm 68. We are going to re- read from Psalm 68. We are going to read about uh, 13 verses, 1 to 10, 19 to 21. 1 to 10, 19 to 21. Psalm 68. If you are there, say amen. Amen. All right, if we are, if we are open there, please, um, again, as usual, please uh, try and use uh, our common version, which is New American Standard. Any other version is okay, but so our reading will be in resonance. We just want everybody to read the same thing, okay? So if you don't have it, just the person beside you has. So you look into the person's Bible. Now we're going to read it loud. Nobody's whispering this time around. And you are in Psalm 68. All right, want to, let's go. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad, let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. For sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song for him who rides through the desert whose name is the Lord, and exalt before him. Five, a father of the fatherless, and a judge for the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness. Eight, the earth quaked, The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Nine, you shed abroad a plentiful rain, O God. You confirmed your inheritance when it was passed. Your creatures settled in it. You provided your goodness for the poor, O God. Go to verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens, the God of our salvation. 20. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the blood belongs escape from death. 21. Surely God will shatter the head of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who goes on in his guilty deeds. Amen. 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 The Lord will do this in Jesus' name. You will be exalted in this land in the name of Jesus. You will be exalted in the church in the name of Jesus. You will be exalted in your life in Jesus' name. You will be exalted in my life in Jesus' name. He will be exalted in our lives in the name of Jesus. He will be exalted. Somebody say he will be exalted. Say it again. Say Jesus is Lord. Jesus will reign. Say in this nation, Jesus is Lord and he will reign. Say in the name of Jesus, all his enemies will be scattered. Say kiss the son, lest he be angry. That's old kings. We are talking to you. You remember? We are talking to kings. Say, old kings, kiss the son. Oh, president, kiss the son. Oh, governors, kiss the son. Say, everyone in authority in this nation, kiss the son, lest he be angry. When he's angry, you perish in the way. In the name of Jesus. Say, the kingdom of Jesus Christ will reign in this nation. Somebody say, Amen. We exalt the name of Jesus over this land. Amen. We say peace will reign in this land in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
said, this is the time of the judgment of false gods. Amen. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth. Amen. In this season, Amen. they will perish from under the heavens. Amen. They will perish from the surface of this earth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to this. Anytime God is, uh, he has exhausted his wrath, hmm, then he turns his anger against the instrument of wrath. So we prophesy, every instrument of wrath will be destroyed in Jesus' name. Amen. But peace is our portion. Amen. Peace is our portion. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, before we take our seats, let's just declare the word of understanding. Again, let's do it from the bottom of our hearts. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I said amen. Uh, let me say if you notice again. You see all these people that are doing fake miracles? All those fake prophets? They are going down. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But that's not the message for this morning. The message is that the real miracles are moving now. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You will experience a miracle. Amen. Again, that's not my main message. My main message is that through your hands, God will do miracles. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. He will do great miracles. He will do miracles that will make you, you'll be surprised, you, you, you that he's doing it through. One man told the story once, he said, he just finished reading, and the power of God entered into him. As if to confirm it, some people came and said, you come and pray for a child that had been sick, had been in UCH for weeks, and they had discharged her, they couldn't cure her, so they had brought her back home, so they called him to come and pray. And they went into the house, he charged them with the word of God for a few moments, and then he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, as soon as he said that, <laughs> the child went into the air, just went into the air, and landed on the floor. He said, everybody in the house ran. He, too, he ran. <laughs> that is just about it. He ran. It was, it was upstairs. So he was on the steps. When he realized what had happened, so he stopped and went back like, what kind of nonsense is this? I'm the one that called the power down. <laughs> the power came, I ran. So he went and picked the child from the floor, put the child back on the bed. Arranged the child nicely and told the people that, please, I'm coming back. He went, to go to, he went home to go and tell God, sorry. The Lord rebuked him very, very well. He came back the next day and began to pray. After a few days, the child was totally well. Totally, 100%. This is a child who had been discharged from UCH Ibadu. Incurable. A week after, they called him. The child was running around the house. I'm just warning you, I heard that you will not jump. So you will not run. So if you say in Jesus' name, I hear Buah, don't worry, it's the power of God. It's nothing. Nobody's shooting at you. And even if they were shooting, nothing will happen to you. Let's say it again. This is my season, this is my season of, the of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. The Lord is good. As for you, you're already healed. Somebody say amen. amen. Your healing is total. Amen. It's complete. Amen. Whether it is genetic, acquired, whether it is uh, old age or young age, whatever be the, the, the story behind it, we end that story today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right. We are still looking at the 
breadth of faith. What we have been saying by that place, I cannot repeat this enough, is for us to understand that faith is an invisible substance which is in the heart. And anytime something is like that, there has to be outward expressions. And we must never be fooled into thinking we have faith if we cannot show it in any way. I hope you're getting my point. Like we're talking about yesterday, some preachers keep on telling us, this is me too, I have faith. Then they will do something that's total unbelief. Are you getting my point? He said, listen, what have you saved up for your future? What, are you, what arrangements are you making for your children? But now you have investments, you have this and this. He said, you think you're walking by faith? I'm also walking by faith. Once they're talking like that, just know they're not walking by faith. You cannot be saying, yeah, I also have faith. Show me the faith by what? The works. You can't do the works of the flesh. Then tell me there is faith. Before I ran away from a chat group of professionals at the time, I told them that they are the most ungraceful set of human beings I've had to deal with in a long time. They grumble too much. They used to grumble for breakfast, complain for lunch, and whine for dinner. So I told the lead complainer, I said, everybody here, if I was telling the lead man that he, was, he used to grumble a lot. I said, why don't people just give God thanks for the things he has done? He said, God knows I am thankful. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how I answered him, but I think I told him that, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. You think you are thankful. You are not. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are thankful, it will show. It will show. It will show in the way you talk. It will show in the way you, in your discussion with people. It will even show on your face. If every time we see you all the time, you are frowning, you say, that's how my face is, a lie. Even if your face was like, you should have changed it by now. Yes, you should have changed it. You should have looked at yourself and said, my, my face cannot go on being like this. Then you look and this, that smiling shall be your portion. Hmm? What am I going to say? When there's a spiritual trait, even you that claim you have it, cannot know unless it shows. Faith is like that also. That's what I've been trying to explain. Now, I just like saying this again. Your faith is, I think, the most valuable thing that you have. It's more important than your money. It's more important than your educational qualifications. It's more important than your connections. Far more important, not even to be compared. Your faith is more important than what you can do with your hands. Your faith is more important than your skills. That's what I'm trying to say. It's more important than the amount of money you have stored up. Much more important. It's precious. It's like gold. In the realm of the spirit, they don't see your gold. They see your faith. That's why Jesus can look and call some people very poor, miserable, wretched, blind, and naked. Yet they have a lot of money. And he will look at another group and say, I know of your poverty, material poverty. He said, but let me tell you the truth. You are rich. And the word of the Lord Jesus Christ is final. If he looks at Aliko Dangote and Jeff Bezos and says, boys, you are poor. Believe him, they are poor. I hope you're getting my point. There's no reasoning around it. If he says they are poor, they are poor. For those who don't know, as of today, Jeff Bezos is the world's richest man and Aliko Dangote is the African richest man and the black race richest individual. So if God looks at them, Jesus looks and says, poor boys over to this side, and then gathers those two people. <laughs> Believe him. That would be a congregation of poor people. 
Please, I hope you're getting my point. So that's why he could look at some people and say, you are rich, even though materially they were not. Your faith is more important. Please let me say it again. It's so important we keep on repeating these things. Satan is not interested in your money. <laughs> He's not interested in your car. You know why? He has more sense than that. He was there before these material things we deal with now came into existence. He was there. So he doesn't look for money. He looks for the souls of men. And what, does he, what is he looking for in the souls of men? Their faith. When he came to the house of Job, the life of Job, you know, he took everything Job had and was not satisfied. Job had money, he collected it. Job had businesses, collected everything. Job had children, the Lord allowed him to take everything. And he went back to the Lord, the Lord said, look at it now. What, do you have anything to say? Ah, no, but he's still healthy. Can I take his health? The Lord said, go, but you can't touch his life. He said, no problem. At the end of everything, he was frustrated. Why? Because he could not get the faith of Job. Let me tell you how to frustrate Satan. When he takes your money, rejoice. If you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling well, don't open your mouth and grumble against God after everything I've done for you. It's an insult. Remember your famous friend who was in hospital? He said, how can I be sick? After I give my land to God. That's what they call an insult. You're insulting him. <laughs> the person told the story. So one day they called him to come and see an old man. A, a man that was in hospital. This man <laughs> was in hospital. Old man. He didn't know it was an old man. He said, somebody's husband wants to see a priest. So he said, okay, please, will you come and see him? He said, no problem. He got there. So he saw one elderly man there. The man was angry. Told the preacher, please, you should ask God why I should be in hospital. So the man was a bit surprised. He said, excuse me, sir. You've never been in hospital before? He said, no, not in my whole life. He said, how old are you? He said, I'm 90 years old. So the preacher was like, excuse me, we are here to ask God why you are in hospital when we have 90 years to celebrate. <laughs> we should be thanking God, if I, according to David Paulson. He said, but all the nurses are very beautiful. They are taking care of you. What else will the man want? <laughs> that was what David Paulson said. Nah, why are you complaining? But the point he was making is that in the whole message, God kept you out of hospital for 90 years. And in 98 year, you were admitted for something, and you still have the mouth to complain. It's not as if like God didn't take the mouth. He was like, what am I doing here? As if God owed it to keep you well. No, it doesn't work like that. That's how to give in to Satan. You have given Satan something. What should they have done? She will first spend the first 19 minutes thanking God for each year that he's been out of hospital. She says, my mother carried me after delivery. If he was born in hospital, I've not been back here. I thank God for that. For the first year, spend a minute to thank God. For the second year, sing a song. Third year, dance. Fourth year, raise your hands in worship. Fifth year, start all over again. Do it till you are 90. And even if you die there, thank him. For 90 years that you were at home. Yes. Give him thanks. You know why I'm saying this? That is the only thing Satan wants. He takes your money, he can't spend it. Those people that they say they go to the devil to go and collect money, the devil will give you anything. 
as long as he gets what he wants, which is their faith. And that's it. He just wants their faith. And he'll give them anything. The Lord has allowed him that one. So whatever is happening to you, just make sure you don't lose your faith. Why? That is the most imp- That is what the fight is over. Please don't forget it. Read the story of Job. That was put in the scriptures like one man of God said to me years ago to cure the backsliding of the saints forever. I never heard a message like that. I have it stuck somewhere. He said the book of Job was kept in the scriptures to cure the backsliding of the saints forever. Any sin that goes through anything, God will say, sit down here. Job, come. Let's compare your life. <laughs> if you say, I have saved God, say, Job saved him too. I gave to God. Uh, Job was sacrificing regularly. This did Job continually, offering sacrifice for his children. It was a regular thing. I've done a lot of good works. Go and read Job 29. When Job described the good works, he said, when the mouth saw me, it blessed me. Everybody blessed Job. He said, I was I. I was eyes for the blind. I was the defender of the widow. I was help for the helpless. The man had done great and mighty things. But his faith, no, nobody could touch it. When he lost everything, he had reasons to grumble, but his faith, nobody could touch it. It's not what Job got back that we are bragging about. That's not what God is showcasing. What God is showcasing that is, look at Job. He didn't deny me. What have you gone through? No, that's the, that's the comparison. When all of those things went away, his health now followed. Job was so sick, you must understand. His body was afflicted. He complained himself. He didn't have, he couldn't sit properly. Because where he's sitting down, he had sores there. Job said it was so bad. When it is day, I wish for night. Then when it is night, I wish for day. He used to think that maybe the day would be better. And this was going on week after week. And you know the most frustrating thing in all of these things? He didn't know why. You know you and I have read the book of Job. So we understand it is trial. Job did not know it was trial. No, he didn't know. He was just confused. He was just confused. He didn't just know what was going on. His friend sat him down and explained to him that you must have sinned. He said, maybe. But why should we just assume? Tell me what I did. So I can confess it now so that they will be forgiven. Abi? I think that was the most frustrating for Job. There's a man I know. <laughs> One day, he got to his house and his wife was in there. And it's normal. It's not a strange thing. You get home, your wife is not around. So you assume that she went somewhere, right? He waited and waited. By the time it was night, the wife was not back. Ah. So he called her. I can't remember whether she answered or she didn't answer. Or she answered and said she was with her parents or something. In the same city. Next day, she didn't come back. Let's make a long story short. She never came back. He went to the father's house. Why is your daughter in your house? And the man said, well, he doesn't know that you just decided to come home and he can't drive her. You know when you get married, you have what they call God, uh, godparents. Is that what they call it? Sponsors, yeah, that's what Catholics call them. They're like godparents for your marriage. He went to the godparents. Please, oh. Those ones called the girl's father. What is going on? 
Hey, it's our decision. We don't know. Uh-uh. These are the dribble this man up and down. Now that's not, that's not why I'm telling the story. He sat down in front of me and said, he said, what is hurting me the most that's driving me mad is that I don't know why. That's what I'm talking about it. He said we didn't quarrel. I mean, husbands and wives quarrel. It's not like we fought. We don't have an outstanding thing that will say this is the issue. I went to work. I came back home. My wife had gone. Didn't tell me anything and never came back. When we talked about it, I looked at him. I felt sorry for him. He had gone to all his relatives to talk. One of his uncles listened to him. Now they didn't discuss. He just said, give her one year. At the end of one year, she's not bad, back. They will return our bride price. And you go and marry another woman. And right now, he's married another woman. He has children by another woman now. But till now, he still doesn't know why. But I'm telling the story that, that he said that was what hurt him the most. If they, if they had a fight, that wouldn't have been a problem for him. I'm telling the story. Think about Job. A man of understanding. When his friends gathered <laughs> to talk to him, they began to, you will see, these were, they were schooled men. They understood spiritual things. They said, no, Job, this does not happen to people, someone who has not sinned. Say, Job, you were deceiving us. Your righteousness was superficial. You, were, you, were, you, are, you have been a hypocrite all this while. Behind you were sinning. So Job looked at them and said, please, no problem. You probably are right. But go around the neighborhood. Let somebody whose wife is missing tell you that you found her in my house. Let somebody who's been owed money tell you I'm the one that owed the money. Let somebody whose cattle right, is missing come to my and tell you that I'm the one that took it. Whatever sin you say I'm committing, please, can you at least let me know? Because I don't know. He said, even if I secretly stretch my hand to the moon in worship, that, that alone will be iniquity. What am I going to say? Job was confused. He was thoroughly confused. All his trials. Go and read it. Do you know God did not even tell him, well done, good and faithful servant. He told him nothing like that. When God was going to speak, more quarrel. Say, look at you, open your mouth. What do you have to say? Were you there when I created Jupiter? No. Were you there when I made Saturn? No. Okay, let's even leave these planets. What about the galaxies? When I put, can, can you arrest Leviathan? What we call um, what do you call it now? Dinosaurs. There are some of them existing in the time of Job. Leave that story. He said, Can you do that? Yeah, that is he harassed Job eh, for chapters. Job was just looking like, oh. He said, I was not there when you were creating the earth and the moon. Where was I? Where could I have been? Could I have been there? What I want to say, more confusion. But in all this, Job did not sin with his mouth. That's where I'm going. Job held on to his integrity. He said at the point in time, even though he slays me, yet I will trust him. Those of us who don't know, we turn it around and say, no, Job didn't know what he was saying. It was Satan that was slaying him. Which I said, no, it's not true. Go and read who began the story. Have you considered my servant Job? It was God that began the whole thing. So Job was right in what he said. One of the things I've learned, God helping me to practice it, is that faith is till death. 
Is that what I said? Yes. We will die believing. That's it. That's it. That is the victory. When Paul was going to end his life, one particular line he put there, he said, I have kept the faith. Oh, yes. He said, I have kept the faith. There was, I was finished my course, I have run the race, but he said, I have done what? I have kept the faith. No matter what you achieve in this life, if you don't keep the faith, you are a failure. And if you don't achieve what men think you should have achieved, if you kept the faith, you succeeded. Yes, that's it. These are the three things you need. One, run your course. Finish your race. That is, when you are running that race, don't run on somebody else's lane. Keep your course. Finish your race. And keep the faith. That is the definition of success. That is the definition of success. That is the definition of success. Many things that people call success, God calls them failure. You build 50 houses, there are 50 troubles for your children. Yeah, they are not necessarily, you know, signs of success. Not necessarily. Listen, let's never forget it. This earth is literally temporal. Eternity is now, let's put a small analogy. No, small analogy. I like this analogy. He said that if you were to put our whole planet and solar system, all right? If you want to compare our solar system to our galaxy. Now, please, let me explain what they mean. We are, there are about 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. 200 billion. We are inside one. We are not in two. We are in one galaxy out of 200 billion. Hmm? All right? If you don't know the difference between 200 billion galaxies and one galaxy, I, I know how I will tell you. The difference between one naira and 200 billion naira. That one, you can understand that one. <laughs> Most people cannot, they can relate with 200 billion naira. They may not have it, but they can relate with it. Ah, yes, now. I don't want to compare to one naira. I say, bros, did you say one naira to 200 billion? Say, yeah, that's how small our galaxy is to 200 billion galaxies. And the universe is said to have about 200 billion galaxies. All right? Now, these are our one naira. These are our one galaxy. All right? Let's not take our one galaxy. They say they take the whole solar system, that is our sun, and all the planets that revolve around the sun. If they put it in the middle of our galaxy, it's like putting a grain of rice in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? It's like putting a grain of rice in the Pacific Ocean. That's small, how small our sun and the planets that revolve around it. That's how small it is compared to our, not the whole universe, to our galaxy alone. There are 200 billion other Pacific Oceans to compare us with. You see what I'm trying to say? This is what I'm trying to bring out. That is how to compare the span of life, 120 years you may have on this earth, with eternity. And you are just beginning the comparison. So imagine that this our solar system, our Earth, compared to the 200 billion Atlantic Pacific Oceans. That's how small your life on Earth is compared to what we call eternity. And that is not even the whole of eternity. So why would I want to kill myself for what lasts for a grain of rice when I can work for what will last for 200 billion Pacific Oceans? I hope you are getting my point. In this life, as a matter of fact, the most important thing to pursue is your faith. Sacrifice everything for it. 
Jesus said, if your eye, right eye causes you to stumble, what do you do? Block it off. If it's your right hand, what do you do? He said, remove it. That's the extent to which he was explaining we have to fight for our faith. You know, many times Christians are making decisions. Just look and say, <laughs> you don't understand anything. He said, I don't like this country. He said, it's too much trouble. I don't have a problem with you not liking trouble. Who likes trouble? I'm not a gluten for punishment. But there are three things we say we must keep. What? We must stay on our course. We must run our race. And we must do what? Keep the faith. Whatever it will take, I beg, let's give it to it. Those three things, very crucial. I will not sac- those three, they are so important because I don't know about other people. For me, I did feel, what do, what do I mean? I'm afraid for the day I will look at Jesus Christ in the face. You know what I'm working for? Looking forward to, willing to die for. Well done. Good and faithful servant. The word that's scaring me is, but I told you. That but is the one I don't want. God helping me, I will give up everything necessary to make sure I don't hear but I told you. Rather, I hear well done, good and faithful servant. What you call hardship in life, God said, I gave it to you so you will learn to endure it. Endurance is a trait that you must learn. I hope you are getting my point. I know you have a car to carry children up and down. Something, let them trek. What's the problem? Let them trek. Yes, they should. They should. You know, in life, they, people must learn to endure. There's something my wife told the children once. I don't know whether she was, it was my, her idea or mine, but in the house. She said, listen, on Saturday, everybody wake up. Nobody eats until you have done everything. Because, you know, we're not a family of fasters. You know, we're fasters. Some families, they will fast, everybody will collapse. I don't believe in it. I'm not saying it's bad, but I just don't understand it. I don't know how deliberate hunger will improve your spirituality. I don't understand how it does. Sorry, I know you don't like me because of it, but that's your problem. I like me. <laughs> and the Lord does too. <laughs> the Lord is good. Well, let's not talk about fasting issue now. So one of our sisters, where is she? Later on, one day they told me how she and her mother fasted. <laughs> the day I saw the mother, I said, Mommy, I've heard of your escapades. <laughs> of your fasting things. <laughs> You fasted until God had to send her food. Spiritually. Say, my daughter, please eat. So did you tell your mother? I said, no. If I tell my mother, she will say evil spirits. <laughs> anyway, so we're not from that kind of environment in my house. But my wife told the children, on Saturdays, nobody chose break. Nobody. Until you have finished all the household chores. Everything you are doing. If you are hungry, walk faster. So you... Arrange your room, wash your clothes. If your job is mop, mop. If you are supposed to wash, this, wash. The simple rule is that no eating until you are done. So if you want to eat early, better wake up at 4 a.m. and start your work, which is part of the endurance. Enduring is something we must learn in life. And enduring is not like, God, you are seeing me, you are seeing me. No, you must endure without grumbling. If you grumble, you are not enduring. Grumbling nullifies endurance. The credit. The person that is really enduring is not whining. Because sometimes this endurance, if they force it on you, what are you going to do now? You don't have a choice. You're not going to hang yourself. So the mark of a person of faith is that in truth, you are from your heart, you are giving thanks and you are 
Sorry to use the word. You are enjoying it. That's not really the correct word. But the endurance you look as if you actually enjoy. So people should wonder and say, what is wrong with this guy? Ability to withstand pressure in life is one thing God deliberately is doing to his children. They must learn it. They must. You walk somewhere, they will not pay you salaries. God knew when he sent you there. Your name is Jacob. Your boss is called Laban. You didn't look at his name well. Check it, that L in his name. Your company is, they tell you something, L Incorporated. That L is Laban Incorporated. <laughs> and God sent you there, knowing that they will owe you. And he wants you to come back, and the other workers will be wondering. See, ability to manage is a skill that God teaches to everybody. It's not about whether you are rich or poor. It's just a skill of life you must learn. Israel, God said, I made you hungry. The hunger was not by chance. I made you hungry, then I fed you with manna. There's a reason for it. Our faith is so important. That's what I'm going to make. Without it, what God wants to do with our lives cannot be done. Let's remind ourselves of the life of the man, Abraham. Abraham's faith was what God was working on. Because without Abraham's faith being perfected, there's another phase of the plan of God at that time that would not have been able to manifest. God was working towards the fulfillment of an eternal plan, which reached the head in the coming and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That thing was not a two-day plan. It's an eternal plan. I hope you're getting my point. An eternal plan. And for you see, God says something doesn't make it happen immediately or automatically. As part of saying it, a word comes, goes forth with a promise. Another word goes with line under it is called precepts. Everything must be put in line. Everything must be put in place for that word to be fulfilled. So he says to, just as an example, he says to Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing in you. All the nations of the earth will be fulfilled. Praise the Lord. We have seen blessing today. Amen. So God now says later, hey, this blessing, maybe one part of it he didn't realize, is that it will not all be in your lifetime. Abraham said, I understand that. He said, but for it to happen, your children after you and your whole household must learn how to do righteousness and what? Justice. So I have spoken another word has gone forth to teach you righteousness and justice that you will teach your children. And every time your generations after you delay or retard the progress of righteousness and justice, they are delaying the manifestation of my promise. That's the way it works. So God spoke at the beginning. Didn't mean to happen automatically. The seed of the woman will bruise your head. That was a promise. Then God starts walking towards the fulfillment of that promise. And a particular stage in that fulfillment is called the perfection of the faith of a particular man. So God looked and found Abraham and said, You will do that job for us. So Abraham, at the age of 75, God called him and said, we have job, a job to do. He said, thank you, Lord. He said, leave your father's house. Come, come with me into a land into which I'll be your guide. Abraham started moving. Leave everything behind. Abraham was living in well-built houses, you know, beautiful houses with running water. Yeah, pipe-born water. Abraham's time. Don't think everything you see this is modern technology. People, were not, they were not hunter-gatherers those days. They were civilized people. God called him and said, from now you are going to be a nomad. Fulani, his man. 
That was the price. I hope you know it never changed from being that. It was a nomad, lived in tents to the end of his life. And people like him are still existing in, in the Middle East today. They live in tents. Yes, God called them, called Abraham for that purpose. Like my house, I'm going to move to the tent, no problem. God said, we should move. Aha! Your wife has not given you a child right yet. Yeah, don't worry, we'll work on that. Ah, thank you, thank you. He was very happy. First year, second year, after a number of years, the wife said, we didn't hear him correctly. Now what I want to explain to you is that he was working on Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith, I did a calculation for it before. He worked on it for about um, 60 years. That was my calculation. 60 years. The rabbi says 62. I just made this, rounded it down to 60. Because the time, the final exam, the final test, the last test, the final professional exam, after which you are now a chartered account, account fit. No, there's accountant. There's, find me a word to describe a man of faith. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Eh? A fitter, thank you. A chartered fitter. Yes. After which you now have a PhD in fitting things. <laughs> the final exam was the sacrifice of Isaac. The offering up of Isaac. But what I want to talk about is not even that. It's the process. From the time he called Abraham till Isaac was born was 25 years. He sacrificed Isaac. The one you see in the pictures is not so. It's not so. Isaac was a man when they went to sacrifice him. Jewish rabbis put his age at 37. I just chose 35 to make it easy to add up. 25 plus 35, last time my arithmetic was correct, was 60. Is it still 60? 60 years of constant training. So listen, you have, not, you have not learned anything yet. I'm not even 60 years old. So even they started from your mother's womb. We never do 60 years. I realize it. I've not learned anything yet, too. All of us, we're on a race, a learning race concerning faith. And please know that that's what he's doing. Interpret everything. I told you that day I got to my house, my daughter and I were talking. I just felt, I just felt like talking to somebody. And the first person I saw was my daughter. She opened the gate for me to drive in. So I drove in. She helped me open my door. Because my door handle is a bit faulty inside. So I said, oh, Mena. I said, Daddy, what is it? I began to lament. Lamentation is good. If you face in the right direction. Whining and lamentation are two different things. Grumbling and lamentation are two different things. So There's no grumbling of Jeremiah in the Bible. Did you see the Bible? The whining of Isaiah. The complaining of Ezekiel. <laughs> but there's a chapter called what? The Lamentations of Jeremiah. So I decided to lament. I lamented to my daughter plenty. At the end of the day, I said, well, there's a beautiful thing about this whole thing. She said, what is it? I said, guess what? He said, yes. If people disappoint you, it helps you focus more on God. I said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Sometimes you look at you know, our nation, economy and all of that. Now it doesn't even worry me again. I see everything as a trial of faith. God wants to see whether I will lose sleep over it. Yes, because he treats all of us individually. In the midst of everybody going through one, the same thing, the lesson for each person is different. The stage each person is in in the work of faith is different. 
That's just the way it works. That's the way it works. That's how the, that's how the Lord does it. So everything in life, I say, how is he putting my eyes on God? There are things that make me, you know, you just be angry. I say, thank you. Remember, I say, okay, yes, Lord. I don't feel like I start giving thanks. There are times I will take plenty minutes counting and giving thanks. I don't feel like it. But that's how life is. You are being trained ah, in faith. Abraham had to learn it. Ah, Abraham learned it. God chose him. He said, okay, now move. He went here. Get into trouble, the Lord will deliver him, see? The Lord is a deliverer. Go and check your Bible. You will hear that the Bible says that Abraham, you know, built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. What happened is that each time he discovers something about God. And let me tell you the truth, you have to discover God. You have to. See, you will read about him. You will hear about him. But there's what is called the full knowledge, which comes from personal experience. That's why John said, that which was in the beginning which we heard with our ears, saw with our eyes, and then our hands handled personal experience. So that's what we declare to you concerning the word of life. And you must understand, God is working on it. And let me pray for everybody here. May you not have bought divine process. It's important. 20 years, Jacob lived in the house of Laban. Because it took 20 years to get the lesson to Jacob. The movement of Jacob from Laban's house was divinely determined. He didn't just wake up and say, I'm tired. It is not every place of suffering God will tell you to leave. People think that every time you are suffering, God says you should go. No. Then God says, go back, go and suffer some more. Say, how long have you suffered now? Say, Lord, it's seven years. God says, it remains three years. Go back. What did you say? Go back. But the man is mean. Go back. That was the the reason Jacob last in the house of Laban. It wasn't personal discipline. It was divine instruction. Okay, there's one woman we know about it like that, Hagar. She ran away. God called her and said, go back, go back, go and submit to your mommy's stress. Sometimes I've seen people walking in a place. If I remember one of our sisters those days. I said, ah, how now? I'm fine. Your office is because I don't work there anymore. What happened? She told me. Ah! I looked at her. They gave me a query. And they put you on suspension. And then you resigned. I said, you know what? You have just told God. You are too big to be disciplined. You are too big to be corrected. I told her like that. Each of these things make a statement in heaven. He said, what should I have done? I said, it's simple. How many weeks suspension? Two weeks. I said, save it. You won't die. You're too young. I mean, you ain't going to die. They say you did some. Now, listen. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. So you think you are right doesn't mean you are right. It's just in your own eyes. So don't just assume that you are right, therefore you are right. I said, my sister, you should have served the suspension. It's two weeks. I said, you know what you should have done? You suspend it for two weeks. Go home for two weeks. Spend your time. Now, I'm adding word, new words now. Spend your time praying and meditating. Lord, what's going to happen to me after now? Just then go back to work after suspension. Now, many of us don't know this, but let me just teach us now. Go to your boss. Thank him very much for the suspension. Apologize to him. His name is Laban, which means he's wicked. I'm not assuming he's nice. Apologize to him for giving him the, the, the reason to suspend you. Tell him that even if he did it deliberately, you will do so no more. That is because of your inability, because there's sometimes you are suspended, they deal with you because of inability, not because of disobedience. 
You know, there's disobedience. Like now they say, okay, everybody, move from here. Be downstairs in three seconds. Unless you jump from up here. How will you get down in two sec- three seconds? You need the soldier to call God say, bros, you could better start shooting because there's no way. <laughs> I'm getting down in three seconds. It's not possible. So that's what I mean by when you fail because of inability. There's disobedience. Everybody, move, move, move. Say, bros, they come. Move now. I'm eating now. Let me finish my food. You know that kind of that's disobedience. But there's one way they say move. I want to down in three seconds. Say, bros, even if I jump, gravity can't get me down in three seconds. Check out. So even if that's the kind of situation, still go to the man and apologize that you forgot to tell God to give you the ability. Say, Pastor Mark, are you being ridiculous? No. That's what happened to Job. Of course, you are going to speak as if you're not trying to mock the man. For example, you can explain to him, say, sir, I really apologize. The target were told to meet. Not like I didn't try. But maybe next time, I will try better. Then get back to work. Then work for three more months in such a manner that you cannot be suspended. Then when everybody is now happy, I want to say, wow, this is one of our best staff. Says, sir, there's one thing I wanted to tell you. The Lord said that I should move on. So I'm giving you two months notice. After that, I'll be resigned. I'll be leaving here. So I'll let you know. Now, I'll drop my resignation before the end of the month so as to fulfill the mandatory one month notice. You know, this doesn't sound nice. I've seen people, they just get angry. Ogago annoyed them yesterday. They won't come to work today. It's like, you know, let me just tell you, if you're like that, your punishment is doing press-up. <laughs> it's still exercising. It will jam you later in life. See them all the time. Your boss is talking to you. Just pick your back and you walk out. I remember one woman was working for us that time. was our housekeeper. My wife told her something. She got angry. She just went and picked her back. As she's going, my wife just opened the door well. She walked out of the door. She closed the door and went back. That's how she came back. It's just that uh, just, she's just thinking of the children. My wife said, thank you for thinking of the children now. Let me tell you my rule in my house. Of course, when she got to the door, she realized that, hey, where am I? I've just lost my job. She said, no, 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 no. Not losing this job. She quickly ran back. She ran back quickly. You work for somebody, there's some things you don't do. It's talking to you, just stamp out. Ibu is not legal in Nigeria yet, let me just tell you. So even if you smoked it, hide it. Because that's an Igbo smoking behavior. A lot of people are very unruly. Very unruly and very disrespectful. It's not allowed for believers. Some things are not allowed. If you want to disengage from, from, from a job, please do it properly. Do it in such a manner that you, come, you can come back there later to greet the people. It's important. I don't mean you were nicely treated, though. Even if you were badly treated, you swallow all the nonsense. Say, I won't leave this place like this. No, I'm going to stay. And everything is cool. And I say, please, sir, can I? I, I would like to move on. Talking about Laban, talking about J- Jacob. Jacob stayed with Laban. It was divine training. It was divine training. There was a part, oh no, let me put it this way. The release of divine promise, divine inheritance in the life of Jacob was tied to certain lessons he would learn from Laban. Jacob's life was not easy. I look at Jacob's life, it was a very hard life. You know, God sent us into this life for different reasons. 
I'm even convinced Jacob, God made his life hard like that for a certain reason. The reason I'm not sure of, but it was part of his ultimate plan, was part of his ultimate purpose in the fulfillment of the release of that ultimate promise, which was Jesus Christ. Jacob's life was not easy. You know, we, we are used to God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God, God of Jacob, as if God of sweet Jacob. Go and read your Bible. When, when, when he testified of his life before um, Pharaoh, that this life has not been easy. Which word did he use again? Filled with many sorrows. Jacob had suffered. Ah! For a time he was young. He went to do sharp guy, sharp guy, collect inheritance. Which God was going to give him anyway. That meant he had to run away from home. Didn't see his father, didn't see his mother for 20 years. Wasn't funny. Then when he got to Lebanon's house, then... No, now your suffering continues. Laban showed him strong. It was work, it was a laborer in Laban's, Laban's house. The wife he loved, that he worked the second seven years for, died giving birth to her second child. Transferred the love to Joseph. Then the brothers look, say, which kind of nonsense love be this one? Excess love. He said, and he was just singing, you love me too much, oh. Too much, oh, too much, oh. Excess love. The brothers look and say, eh, hey, is it like that? You see excess suffering. Just the coming. <laughs> then they took that boy and yanked him away from Jacob again. Oh, God. And they said to him, he's dead. The man had mourned the loss of the mother. Now he's mourning the loss of the boy. Then after many years, they said, can we borrow the small boy? Benjamin. Ah, the man said, so you guys have now planned to just kill me finally. He said, nobody's going to. One hunger wanted to kill everybody. They said, let him go. The man, you know, his brother, his brother was there. You know, they are detained. Was it uh, Judah? No, who was it that they detained? No, let's get it right. One of them was detained. No, are we, are we mixing up the story? No, that was when that was the second time. That was when he made the offer. That second time, uh, you know, the, 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 eh? yeah. One was it? No, let's check it. Let's just get our story right. I just, I just realized I've not checked this story in a while. I know the second time was when they wanted to detain um, uh, Reuben. Uh, no, not Reuben, Benjamin. That, yeah. When they were leaving the house, one said, "Kill my two sons if I don't bring your son back." And let's just get the story right. To be nice, let's just get it right. I think we forgot him. Okay, what did he say? It was in the first trip. Okay. Okay, yes, he detained Simeon. Yeah, that's it. So he detained somebody. And he said, yes, okay, they told the whole story. And I said, okay, but bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you are not spies. Yeah. All right, anyway, we can read this story later. It's a nice story to look at. I'm talking about how much Jacob suffered. That's just the emphasis. They took one of his sons, said, okay, bring that only boy remaining from that woman that he loved. That's Rachel, remember? Yes, um, this man was dead. 
Joseph, as far as he was concerned, Joseph was dead. Only Benjamin remained from Rachel. And they did not say, okay, bring him again. The days of his sorrows, they were plenty. Oh, they were plenty. When God finally wiped sorrows from his eyes, he was a very old man. Something I just wish God just settled us early in life. Do you get my point? Yeah, do it early. He's setting us only at 75. Which party are we going that time? I hope you are getting my point. The time we could still do breakdance and join the Olympics. He didn't settle us that time. And one of my friends, one day he complained. He was very angry. He said, he said they are dashing me perfume now. He said, now that I can buy perfume, they are dashing me. He said, where were these people when I couldn't buy perfume? <laughs> he was complaining to me. That, what kind of thing is this one? Now any perfume I want, I can buy. Then that, that's why they now be giving me perfumes. They just say, ah, good afternoon, sir. You will see bought to perfume. I went abroad. They brought the bring shoe. The man was just looking, looking, telling. Because the banker, I don't get it. The time we couldn't afford this, he didn't bring it. And so God, he do. To him that has, more shall be given. I don't know why it's like that. <laughs> ah, because you know, you know we are friends, all right? <laughs> it's good together. You know those days when you want to buy perfume, you'll be passing the shop. You'll be looking at it. If I one day he traveled abroad, so when he was coming back, he bought me a bottle of perfume. So he sent something to me in Edogu. So he didn't tell me he was sending me perfume. So I just saw a bottle inside. Ah. So I kept it on the table. So after I said, boy, was that a mistake? It was something else he was supposed to bring for me. So he just put that perfume inside. I said, oh boy, was it a mistake? He said, no, you brought me perfume from the U.S. I said, hey, that's very nice of you. Oh, thank you very much. He's like, well, this, this is another excess love. That is good, you know. Then I realized when he did, why he did it. Suddenly he struck. He bought me this perfume, a genuine Giorgio perfume. You know why? When we were in university, we used to buy John Paul. John Paul had different series. John Paul perfumes were low-cost perfumes that imitated expensive ones. So the one we used to use was formula number 426, Great Pretenders of Giorgio. So one day I was in the shop in America. I just saw Giorgio. He said, hey! He remembered those days. He just quickly bought the real Giorgio, put his in the bag and brought it for me. I now remember that. I said, oh, those days to buy John Paul. We'll go look at it. You wait for your father to send money next time. You remove small. Cut down small, small. Go and buy John. And then you now be, you spray where you are going to fellowship. So that people will know that. <laughs> So that's the person that complained to me. Now, why are they dashing me perfume? And I don't mind him. He too is dashing me perfume now. God will do much to him like that too. People also dashing perfume. <laughs> now, the point I'm making is that sometimes we just wish God would say to us early. But sometimes he doesn't. Why he doesn't, I don't know. But just remember one thing. He's very wise. I was preaching somewhere this morning. I told them, God was to announce to me, Banky, you are going to die next year. And I asked him, can we change? And he says, no. I'm not going to cry, God forbid. I will spend the next one year praying. That is, I will leave prayer on this earth heavy. I will pray for my wife, pray for my kids one by one, pray for everybody that listens to me. I will pray and pray and pray. And all the while I'll be telling him thank you. I'll be telling him thank you. Do you know why? Because I have come to understand he's extremely good and he's extremely wise and is very, very, very righteous. Oh, everything he does is right. Everything he does is right. His ways are perfect. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. Every work is done in righteousness. 
Every single work he does is in righteousness. Like we read from Revelation that he wages war in righteousness. I like one thing Dr. Fabi said when we were there. He said, when he kills you, you tell him thank you. You should be grateful. Lord, thank you. You are the one killing me. What an honor. Yes. That, that, do you know why? Because he's very, very righteous. He's very just. And he has an eternal plan. Which the period you are spending on this earth is not all there is to it. If the Lord tells me that, I'll discuss it. I'm not, I'm not a gluten for punishment. I'm going the way. No, 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 Lord. Is this something I'm doing wrong? Is this something I'm supposed to do that I'm not doing? Because this is the reason why God removes his children. Sometimes he says that, hey, 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 listen, listen. I've warned you, first year, second year, third year. This is the fourth and final warning. And the person does not change. Boom, he snaps the fellow away. So when he comes and gives a warning, remember the story I tell all the time. He told Ken Hagen the, the way you were going. And it was ministry matter. Be careful, listen. I like one thing, um, was it Martin Luther that said it? That don't judge your holiness by other people's iniquity. Yes. Like, don't judge how righteous you are by how evil other people are. Because you don't know the standard God is using to judge you. This was a man walking in righteousness, a husband of one wife, no, let's use the Greek, a man of one woman, teaching faith according to the instruction of God. Yet the Lord told him, if he had continued like that, listen, walking in integrity, teaching faith, you would not have lived beyond the age of 55. Why? He said, because I told you to be prophesying and you shied away from prophesying. Why? Because all over Nigeria, all over Nigeria and Africa, most of the prophets are fake prophets. You know, wizard of Endor. There's one in Enugu, that small boy. David something something, you know him, uh-huh. you know him. Okay, okay, they're smiling. They are neighbors. They're all over the place. You know, sometimes when they now call you a prophet, you know, you start feeling like, you know, feeling like Habakkuk somewhere. You know those funny, those funny deceiving names that they used to deceive us. There was a time all these fake people always had names like Peter and Mark. They've, they've dropped Mark now. There was one season I knew two apostles, Marks at the same time. I didn't even know who was who again. All of them, lying money raisers. Oh, you knew them? Oh, you knew the Mark boys? <laughs> there was a time that is, they can't know what I'm talking about. Because there were many apostles, Marks all over the place. Everybody was Mark and an apostle. I'll be one of them, Jaguda. Yes, now wow, I don't blame you for saying that though. It was terrible. So that was the kind of situation he was in in America. They were there too. So he now called him a prophet. Ah, he feel like, hey, no, no, please. They will think I'm one of those people. So he stopped prophesying. God looked at him and said, listen, if I didn't correct you that like they had an encounter, you would not have lived beyond the age of 55. So sometimes those are the reasons why God takes away his people. You won't see him walking in any particular sin you can hold on to. But the Lord that sent him on an errand, gave him a commission, gave him life for a purpose. Say, you're not doing it. Why are you wasting nutrients for that? It takes the vine away. Doesn't bear fruit, uproots it. So we'll discuss those things with the Lord and say, Lord, what corrections should I make? If he says none. And you say, next year we are going? Say yes. You know what you tell him? Thank you. Thank you for not even taking me by surprise. Thank you for giving me 12 months to prepare. Then you start praying for people because that's what you do. When Jesus was living, that was what he did. He prayed for his disciples. 
Then he prayed for those who will believe by their word. He left that prayer on the earth. Listen to all of this I'm saying. So Jacob suffered. God was perfecting his faith for a particular reason. Back to the issue of Abraham. God worked on Abraham's faith. Worked on it for years. For years. For decades. Around the 68th year, the Lord looked and said, I have trained this guy. I have trained him. I can certify him now. Let's now demonstrate his faith for the whole earth to see. Remember, we're talking about what? The breath of faith. I said, that faith is what is important. The Lord now said, go and sacrifice Isaac. Again, remember the story? It was not a test of love. It was a test of faith. Actually, love for God is called faith. Yes. God does not need your affection. I hope you're getting my point. Say, Lord, I feel like hugging you. Because you never see my name, hug and die. <laughs> you hug the Lord, that's it. You disappear. He doesn't, doesn't need your hug. John, who was his personal friend when he was on the earth, when John saw the resurrected one, he fell at his feet as one dead. Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. That's a sign of love. Forget this hugging thing. Do I look like your wife? <laughs> Forget this hugging thing. If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Faith, obedience is a sign of love. It's not a sign. It is love for God. That's what God understands by love. So God said, let us test Abraham. He was testing his faith. He had made a word clear to him in Isaac with your seed be. So God said, that's going to be the test. Let us see whether he's willing to sacrifice Isaac in the midst that is knowing that promise. How will his faith help him reason? His, reason, his own reasoning was that if God says sacrifice Isaac as a whole burnt offering, you know what they, you know what they call a burnt offering? I'll tell you, cremate, cremate him. You cut his neck and burn him to ashes. That's very difficult to resurrect. Lazarus is cheaper to resurrect than ashes. Uh, Lazarus, his bones were still there. His bones were going to last for many, many years. I mean, there's a template. Ezekiel understood that. He first arranged the bones. Then you put the flesh on it. Because they removed the bones too. So, <laughs> burn everything. It's called whole burnt offering. That's what they told Abraham to do with Isaac. And Abraham went out to do it. Ah, God said, yeah. I can see God saying, I'm so proud of myself. This is my student. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Say, by myself I have sworn. He was proud. He was happy. He was glad. I can assure you one thing. He was glad. It's one major piece of the puzzle in place. Let's go on. He found something in Isaac. He used it. Found something. They leveraged on that one he had in Abraham. And he kept on walking into the encounter with David. And walked on David too. And finally grabbed one. The greatest that you were teaching us yesterday. The greatest of all men. John. And that one did what he wanted. He ushered in the new age. Like I was saying this morning, a prophet is not the one that predicts. There's, there was only one thing John predicted. Not two things. He didn't care about the weather. He didn't care whether England was going to beat Italy. <laughs> or Italy was going to beat England. He didn't concern John. He didn't even prophesy that the Pharisees shall come for baptism. No. When they came, he said, bros, you define waiting. Why? 
I should baptize you. Who warned you? Some of us are sending workers out. Go and, even Jesus used to do it. Bring them in from. Just say, where are you coming? You did fear? I think I, I, I you know what baptized before now. You know, sometimes in our churches, where we don't have solid word, we don't have anointing, we'll be using bread like okay with it. <laughs> to invite people to church, they cook rice. Apostles came to cook rice so that people will come to church. <laughs> Get rice Christians. <laughs> John the Baptist had no time for any such thing. He wasn't what is on, but there's one thing he prophesied. There's one coming after me, mightier than me. The very tongues of his of his sandals. I'm not worthy to untie. You know what? They knew what he was saying. The lowest of the slaves in the house, that's the job he did to wash people's feet. So he's saying in his presence, I'm less than the lowest of the slaves. They understood what he was saying. And then the Lord revealed something to him that everybody, the Bible said, the angels rejoiced to see that day. Abraham rejoiced to see that day. Everybody was looking forward to that day. God called John. I will show you him when he comes. So you will see one that the Holy Spirit will come upon like a dove. And when he saw him, he said, my God. Now you don't understand. He's been present there at the fullness of time. That was when calendar changed. You introduced it. I don't know that you're getting the point. You wrote the new law for the earth. That's why Jesus called the greatest of everyone born of woman till that day. God saw, saw John useful. Found him faithful. Found him useful. And with his ministry, he released the ultimate plan of God into the earth. I remember Jesus Christ also. The Bible says he was faithful in all his house. As Moses was faithful in his own also. God needs faithful people to do anything he wants to do on the earth. Listen to what I'm going to say. You pray and pray. Remember we said that God can prophesy, then he starts working. The word starts going to, you know, to do some things. What am I saying today? There are many things he wants to do. He said, for me to do it, I have to purify the faith of my people also. I don't know whether you are getting that. Yes, he's also working. He worked with Abraham. Yes, we've seen that. Isaac, Jacob, we saw it. We went all the way down to David, to John. To, yes, John the Baptist. And I'm saying to you, in this generation, that work is still going on. He's still going on. He's still picking Abraham still today. He's still picking Jacob still today. He's still picking David still today. And there's one thing he's doing in their lives, purifying their faith. Building up their faith. Building up their faith. Realize, listen, God is working on your faith so that you can, you can, you know, contribute your own quota into his, his eternal plan. Many people are dropping by the wayside every day. That is one thing I don't want to do. That's one thing I don't want to do. So when we're talking about this faith matter, listen, we're not talking about how to grab faith to get something. Faith, listen, faith does many things. Faith stops the mouth of lions. It's the Bible. Faith produced Samuel for Hannah, true or false. But do you realize God was looking for a faithful priest? That was why. God was not trying to make Hannah happy. If you want to be happy in life, better find out what God wants to do and align yourself with it. That's where your joy is if you want to be happy in life, find out what God wants to do. Align yourself with it. That is where your joy is. That's where your joy is. What is trying to make Hannah happy? People were running up and down looking for... Israel was... Cut. Let me explain something to you. 
in the days of Eli, there was iniquity all over the land. Eli was a good man, but good man, it was not what God was looking for. His sons were bad boys, good man, two bad boys. Israel was in trouble. They were worshipping all kinds of idols. Go and check it. When Samuel rose up as a judge, one of the things they had to do was to put away their idols. So God was looking for someone to lead, somebody to lead a revival in the land. Somebody said at that time, Elkanah had gone to Moab. Have you Elkanah? That's the father of... Uh, is it Elkanah? Okay, then Elimelech. Now, who's the one that went to Moab? Are you sure? Don't confuse me. I'm a man of God, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> The Lord is good. I keep on mixing the two of them. One man said they are contemporaries. I don't know exactly how true that is, but I heard somebody say it. At that time, he had gone to look for food in Moab. He went to look for food in Moab. That's the limit, like, yes. The husband of Naomi gave birth to Marlon and Shilon. And they married Ruth and Opa. And you know the story of Ruth. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Bitter. So I went out full. I've returned empty. One man said, do you know why? When God was looking for a priest, Elkanah was looking for food. Yeah, that's what, that, that was what he taught us those days. <laughs> After school, this story I'm telling you, that's almost 30 years ago. He said, God was looking for a faithful priest. Elkanah, Elimelech was looking for food. God, look, that's what God was looking for. Say, who will give birth to somebody for me? The nana was there saying, this woman thinks she feels bomb. Me say, I go bomb my own. God said, eh, stay there now. You want me to give you a chicken you used to fight? I said, don't send my chicken around. Stay here, stay here. I want to the witches in the house. That's what we want to fight. God didn't answer her. Then one day, now said to God, say, God, I beg. Hmm? Give me this boy and I will give him to you. God said, now you are talking. Now you are speaking a language I understand. Now you are aligning yourself with divine purpose. Now you are aligning yourself with divine purpose. And let me say this again so that Christian parents you hear it. I say it once in a while, but I think I should emphasize it again. Christian parents, every one of your children has a purpose that God has for his or her life. And it does not have to be what you are thinking. Or this, my son will be a pilot, will be an engineer. Something they worry you. I hope you're getting my point. Go and pray. You can finish sending your son to school, become a lawyer. When he finishes law school, he does the certificate. Say, Daddy, you wanted the certificate. Take. My classmate and I were CGC about two days ago. And we were laughing and saying, Now, wow, that the best student in our class, what they call best student, there were 10 prizes, he collected eight. No, nine. Yeah, if they were 10, he took nine. One person. Bros. The guy had one head. Big head. The head was big, all right? <laughs> I must have been. If we had 10, I think we had about um, seven. He cleared everything minus one. In fact, the person who took the other one was the one reminding us of the whole story. We were talking yesterday or the day before yesterday. We studied medicine. We all left school, bachelor of medicine, bachelor of surgery. As soon as we left, he took the certificate, flung it somewhere. Never used it for anything. I said, the argument we're having one day was, did he do house job? Did he do internship? Did he, oh, didn't use it for anything. 
I don't know why. I don't, he never discussed with us. So this one that you think, my son must be this. They, they, they are waiting for you. They will be it. Don't worry. They said there's one mechanic in, um, is it Abba? He said that the guy is like that too. I think the other is a lawyer, a doctor. When he finished too, Kai said, are you the one that told me the story? The way you are not like you know about it. You know about it? Uh-huh. Is he a lawyer, a doctor? Is he? He's a doctor. He's a mechanic today. Yeah, motor mechanic. Yeah. You finish school, carry certificate, drop and give me papa. Then he used his natural, this thing, went to learn how to be a mechanic. And he's repairing cars today. But I learned a lesson from the fig tree. All these things. <laughs> so these children eh, lay hands and say, God, what manner of child is this one supposed to be? It's an important question to ask. If you have not asked it before, ask it now. As they are sleeping. In fact, they don't want to sleep. Come here, kneel down here. Lord, this boy, what manner of child is he supposed to be? And prophesy to the boy, saying, you will serve the purpose of God in your life. Say, Lee, I've said amen for you and my son. I've said amen. That you say amen or not is your problem. And you, listen, you will never be able to do anything else apart from the purpose of God. I said, that is the swear for me. Yes, it's correct swear. <laughs> no, that's what God was doing. God was looking for a priest. And I was running up and down. And once he finally connected with the purpose of God, God released Samuel into her life. And Samuel became, if you name before God, let's remove Jesus Christ, all right? Okay, let, okay until the time of Jesus. Okay? On the time of Jesus, if you named four men in the Bible, you named Samuel. When God wanted to talk to Jeremiah, to warn Jeremiah to stop praying. When Jeremiah was saying, I beg, I beg, God said, which one did I beg? If you like, go and call Moses and Samuel. I still will not listen. Samuel was so highly esteemed. God used him to, to explain something to Jeremiah. These are men that spoke and I could not change my mind. Say, but bring them on this matter. I will not listen. That was what God was birthing in all the trials and travails of Hannah. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, in this life, eh, God is still building faith in people. Now, this is what God does. He builds faith in you. Then he pours you out as an offering. I don't know whether I hear what I said. Yeah, that's what he does. It's like wine. And that's why the Bible uses the word drink. I don't understand much about wine, but I've read stories about it. They, they mature it for a long time. And there are wines that have been matured for decades. They cork the bottles tight and keep it in cellars and leave it there. They bottle them in 1970-something. And they finally bring them out in the year 2020. Oh, yes. Oh, they do that. They now bring one bottle for, you say, Chateau d'Empelente. <laughs> 1972. One bottle, $3,000. You go look and say, 1.5 million. When they give you the bottle, you open it and say, unto the Lord. You go pour for ground and say, God, drink them. I can't drink this. You know, there are drinks you drink. You, you, you won't be able to drink water for a long time because you are still feeling bad. You drink a $3,000 bottle. If you give me now, I will open the bottle. Abraham's blessings are my... I will pour it in the compound. Say, Lord, I can't drink it. Say, where did you get that from? From David. When they gave David expensive water, he said, like, like, I know they drink this kind of thing. Say, Lord, you go drink? God said, no, not this one. Give it to Jesus to drink. They mature the wine like that. That's the point I'm making. Then, you no know, Paul said, after we have prepared the wine, what now happens... We now pour it forth as what? A drink offering. It's poured forth as a drink offering. What am I saying? That's what God does with your life. That's what he does with my life. And God is very lavish. 
Is it lavish? When he wants to spend, when he wants to spend, you'll be amazed. You will take a man, train him, train him, make him extremely intelligent person. Take him through this. At the end of the day, say, hey, I finished. Now, you know you are very good now. I want you to go and teach secondary school physics. Everybody will look like, excuse me, wait. This guy had the first class in mathematics. God said, I know. He, has a, a, he did a minor in physics. God said, I know. And he did a master's in astronomy. God said, I'm aware. Then he did a PhD in quantum mechanics. God said, I know. So now he's qualified to teach in secondary school. Ah. God reasons for him. You know the truth about him? He doesn't explain. Say so that is the way I like it. So that's the way I like it. That's the way I like it. Leave it like that. So in that secondary school where I'm teaching physics, you start a Bible study. And I don't want anybody in that Bible study that's more than 20 years old. It must be between the age of 11 and 20. And the class will never be more than, the Bible study class will never be more than 15 at a go. And ignoramuses will sit down. This is Ambrose. Ambrose just wasted his life. He wasted it. Like when we were in school, Ambrose knew mathematics in such a I, I have seen him correct Albert Einstein before. He showed us where Abraham, Albert Einstein made a mistake in the specific theory of relativity. He showed us where Niels Bohr would have gotten it right if he had quickly understood this principle of quantum mechanics. Eh? Where is he now? He's in secondary school. But anyway, I hate that anybody that he teaches physics gets an A1. And there's nobody, I heard there's one stupid boy like this. He thought if his boy got A, he wife. In fact, parents are not carrying their children from all over the place to go and give. So the boy, they, they crack their head, they pour physics inside. I see he also teaches Bible. What car is he driving? That was one 1995 Picanto. Oh, you think God is always, you just go there and say, oh, for your faithful servant, take a Lamborghini. No. Because where are you speeding to? <laughs> oh, he can be lavish. That is, if you see the kind of investment God makes for certain things, you'll be wondering. Say, God, why did you have to train him like this? Because that's the way I like it. Many of us don't realize it's not just physics he's teaching. He's passing his spirit to a generation. Oh, yes, that's it. And that's what God was doing all the while. There's a spirit God is saying, I want to pass to a generation. Listen, let me tell you, as a Christian, live your life for God. Just know that no matter what training God has given you, say, Lord, where do I point? Yeah. It's called a drink offering. You are being poured forth as a drink offering. You know what Paul wrote to the Philippians? He said, I don't have a problem with it as long as it is building up your faith. As long as it is building up your faith, I don't have a problem with it. If it's in the service of your faith, then it is fine by me. That because of me, because of my life, the Philippians are people of faith. Because what God is looking for in each individual is that faith. That is what he's looking for in each individual. That faith that he's building up. So he builds up one person, builds faith to a particular level, then takes the individual, pours him as a drink offering. To build up more faith in other people. Then when he has built up those ones also, it takes them again, pours them forth as a drink offering. Let me say this to you, all right? 
We pray for our country, Nigeria, until God has enough people to pour like that. We are not going anywhere. Listen, that's why, listen, I take my work more seriously. If I understood this, for the bank, he preached, preach hard, preach hard, preach hard until people know, until people understand me. Let it be something you contributed into their lives. So when I understand something, I write it down, I preach it. Lord, I give you praise. That is why our website, everything there is what? Free. One guy still wrote us last week. He said, I heard, you, he, he, he heard us on radio. I heard you preach on radio, this and this and that. Then I went to your website. He said, surprisingly, everything there is free. I said, oh, well. And I want to tell my other brethren, please. I know everybody has his own revelation. But some revelations are superior to others. It's true now. I think my own is superior to your own. Give us the materials free of charge. Yeah, that's what I mean by superior. You can sell it, but give it us to all free of charge. Say, how will we get money? Ask me how I'm getting money to. How does kingdom will get money? Do you want to know? Uh, you know now. It's free will offerings. People send us money from everywhere. From here. He said, but you don't drive for money. Don't worry, we have prayed for it already. The Lord has sent us and his spirit. His spirit rides upon people's hearts. I don't think any week we pass, we won't get a fresh email. Please, I've been blessed by this ministry. How can I contribute something? I've been blessed by this ministry. How can I contribute something? Please, I break my brethren. Release these things. One wisdom God gave us, which made Kingdom World Ministries as impactful as it is, it will be more impactful, I believe that, but as at now, is because somebody will just hear, hear us once. By next week, he has 200 messages on his phone. See, it's not just the money. It's a hindrance. No matter how rich you are, you know, each time you click on this, pay this one, it, it slows the process. I've met many people, not one, not two, I don't know how many, that they said... When they are sleeping, I'm talking. One lady says she dreams. That is, I talk to her in her dream. And I'm not in the spirit. <laughs> Why? Because when she's going to sleep, I'm preaching there. So the words I'm speaking will mingle with her dreams. And she'll be seeing my face. I know many people, they, they just, that's why those have plenty of data. They don't, they don't download anything. Their own is on a, what they call it, podcast. They just put it there. Today, I met a man who listens to me. I was with him in the lift, and I was hearing a message that I preached before. He said, oh, sorry. He had to put it on. He didn't know. He said, I listen to you all the time. That because of you, I bought a jacket. So I can have where to put my phone. He and I will be in the car, and he will put the message on between us. I feel like I said, oh, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm talking to you. <laughs> His wife said, he won't even put it off for the president. So you, can, you know what he has done to his wife? So when you see us do some of those things, eh, that's the reason that, listen, don't worry about the money. God will bring money. But the Lord told me that one long ago. Banky, if you need money, ask for it. Okay, listen. I told you that day, I was like, no one man of God preach. So somebody sent him a few billions of naira. Like, sell book from now, sell book like Barack Obama, you ain't getting a few billions of naira. I, want, I hope you know that. Yes, so let's leave these things. If you, 
That's something the Lord has told me. Say, Banky, listen, I don't want you to ever do anything because of money. If you want money, ask for it. No, that is a revelation I've got. At least I operate by that. But they don't do anything because of money. Some people go and open branch. You know, it's very funny. Go and open the branch of a ministry because people there give more. You know, you know what I have learned in this life? If you can go and sit and must reach people, they won't give you pianka. That's why you start pre- preaching lying doctrines. This week, as your children are traveling, you will cover them with a special seed. Only. It's stealing. Because you've been in their midst, they have not given you anything. You know what, why they didn't give you anything? God blinded their hearts. Said they won't know you need money. When, the day you are hungry and you say, ah, chief, good afternoon. Hey, they say, oh, pastor is fasting. You, they won't know it's hunger. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that made them confused. What am I doing? God said, if you need money, ask. If I sent you somewhere, go there. What am I saying of these things? I've realized, all right, that God needs people's faith built up. And he has given me an assignment to build. When I saw what happened in Nigeria in recent times, I said, my father in heaven. And I saw the foolishness of the Christians. I said, God has a problem. And he said, bank, you better go and help me solve it. And he said, bank, if your country is scattered, you are not going anywhere. You, Banky, are not going anywhere. So if I want to pray some prayers, eh, it's for personal security. Any troublemaker, die by fire. You won't know why. <laughs> because I know there's no way I'm going. But it's not the fire, die by fire people I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who will build it up into a glorious place. It's their faith that God will use. So he says, build up their faith through your teaching. Build up their faith through your instructions. I was discussing with some people yesterday. We just analyzed. I said, listen, very few Christians analyze the nation from divine perspective. They analyze it from tribal and, you know, anger perspectives. They have never bothered to analyze this nation we are in from a divine angle. From what will happen with the gospel. In which one will the gospel prosper more? They have never thought about it. If we are going to push the gospel to every corner of this nation, how will it prosper better? They don't reason like that. They don't reason like that. If we drop boundaries all over the place, will the gospel move faster? You've heard me talk about the Roman road. Theologians explained that God made the Romans conquer everywhere and then build roads everywhere so the gospel could run fast. So they broke the boundary between nations. And put roads there, making it easy for people to travel up and down preaching the gospel. You want to hear the, word of the, the mind of the Spirit concerning this nation? God said, that's what I was doing. Don't care about your tribal prominence. Don't care about your personal prosperity. Have an eternal agenda. Line up or I raise you. A time will come. Listen, listen. we are going to say what the prayers will be prayed. A time will come, all right? Because there's a reason why I said what the last statement I made. Because I when God gives up all the prophecy, at the same time, there are two levels of prophecies. The first one is, I mean, a prophet Isaiah comes out, says something, Jeremiah says, says something. The other smaller prophets, you and I will not take those words, you understand? Locate prophecies from Psalms and prayers from Psalms and all of that, and all over the scriptures. We'll locate those things and start lifting those words up. They now become the weapons with which God will execute the main prophecy that he gave us. That's why this day, eh? when you hear me say things like, Arise, O Lord. And let your enemies be scattered. All the wizards of end of, they are going. National, regional, local, 
local government false prophet, you are going. No, we are releasing the words. The words have gone out. When we say things like, guard thy sword upon thy thigh, O mighty one, and ride on prosperously and in majesty because of truth, and let your right hand do awesome things. It's not a joke. We know what we are saying. We know what we are saying. When we say congregations of iniquity, hiding under the name of Jesus Christ, we scatter them. Yes, we will. You will not bring forth, because the wrath of God is upon the land because of things like that. We've tolerated nonsense for a long time. Let me tell you something. Unity is not at the expense of truth. God never accepts that. Oh yes, he never. God does not sacrifice truth for unity. What he will do is to destroy the opposing party if he wants to maintain unity. You have to come to the unity of what? The faith. The faith must be intact. The faith must be intact. So people don't need to understand what's the mind of God. It's not how do I prosper. No, no, no. What's God's mind? Take, I was talking about the nation like this. Why did he create this? You know, the problem. Some of them that they, was he the one telling me that one, one big pastor in Lagos said Nigeria is a fraud? I feel like saying, who told you that? Who, who, who told you? Nadeko prophet. Who told you? Biafran prophet. Who told you? Oh, do our prophet. All of these people I've mentioned, none of them divine prophets. Give me the mind of God. One of my younger colleagues told me the other day, we used to be, I think, I don't know, I think it's from, it's from Anambra Imo, Anambra Imo, one of the two. He used to live in Kebi. From Kebi, he returned to Enugu to come and start working. One day we were talking in my office. He says, sir, I've quoted him a number of times here. He said, all these people are talking, they have not traveled. The last one he gave me last time that really knocked me out. He said he talked to people from, uh, what's the name of this place? I mentioned it last time I was preaching on Tuesday. One part of KB anyway. He said they are predominantly Christians. And somebody there told him that the reason why God created this country eh, is for preservation of people like us. I don't know where I get the point. Deep in KB. He said we are still alive because Nigeria is one country. He said something to me which made me laugh. He said, Southern, I said, they are going anywhere. He said, if you go, God will use his hand and push you back inside. He said, there's no way you are going. Why? Because he has his own purpose. He told me that the Anglican missions, that they are all missionary dioceses. All of them are missionary dioceses. I never heard that expression before until he told me this last week. He said, they are all missionary dioceses. I said, what does that mean? He said, it means they don't have money in themselves. There is money that people contribute in other dioceses that is sent to them to be preaching the gospel. He said, you guys are not going anywhere. What was he saying to me? He said, God has his eternal purpose. Oh, listen. He's from Anambra State or Imo State. But he looks from divine perspective. Because when he was in Kebbi, he interacted with people. He said, my people have not traveled. They don't know what's going on. But it's not about traveling. They don't have spiritual insight. Let's get it clear. Christians must learn to reason. You hear me when I'm leading prayer all the time? There's one thing I keep on saying. I say, say, we are not yielding any inch of this land to any other God, apart from God our Father and Jesus Christ his Son, our Lord and Master. And say, cut. I say, cut what? If a bank comes and says they are cutting my money, I will not go into court. How can I want to cut my land? And I will say, hey, take, cut it, cut it, because I want peace. No, I don't want that kind of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace. That's what I want. There has to be increase of his government. For every place one, where one Christian has been slaughtered in Nigeria, 
In the name of Jesus. 100 we arise there. Yeah. That's the kind of prayer we should be praying. Everywhere the blood of the martyrs have hit the ground. From that place where they hit, revival will start. Yeah. Revival will start. Listen. That's what God, listen. God, that's what God is doing. He's building up our faith. Then he takes the faith and begins to use the trust to transform the earth. To spread the gospel. To change people. To change nations. People don't change nations because they are comfortable. No. What the Lord does to build up their faith, then pours them forth as a drink offering. That is what he does. I think I've spoken enough for today. What I wanted to preach, we'll preach it next time. We need to pray. I've spoken enough for today. If I speak more than this, let me not spoil it. I'll leave you for five minutes. Please pray. Pray on your own. I don't know what you're going to say to the Lord, but you need to pray. You need to change, you need to change perspective. Yes, you need to change perspective. Pray now with understanding that God is not just trying to bless you. He's trying to bless you so you will be a blessing. He's trying to bless you so that you will make nations out of you. So that through you, he will transform nations. He will build kingdoms, having broken down certain kingdoms. Many of us sit down and be praising things that unbelievers have done. When God said, I told them to hold the land while I build your faith. When your faith is ready, I will switch the ownership of the kingdoms. Kingdoms are there to be taken. Kingdoms will be taken. Someone would describe man, that is men, people, or mere men, with breath in their nostrils. God said they are holding those kingdoms simply because you are not yet ready. Your readiness is not money, it's not networking. It's the readiness of faith. It's the readiness of faith. We have been praying against those who lie and say they are doing miracles. No, they are liars. But God said, yes, I will shut them down. Yes, the Lord said, I will shut them down. But after shutting them down, where are the real miracles? Why didn't you say, Lord, prepare me? Or why didn't you say, Lord, prepare me? Say, Lord, prepare me. Increase my faith. That, look, that, that prayer is valid. Some people say, no, it's a valid prayer. If your heart is set upon increased faith, he will give you words. He will give you the spirit of faith. He will give you experiences that will increase your faith. You think Abraham's faith just jumped out of nothing? No, God increased it for him. He took him through experiences. And he kept on giving him promises. Then the faith was so great one day, he could see burnt offering coming back to life. Let me say to you, no matter what your life becomes, it can come back to the kind of life that others will be amazed to see. Lazarus died after four days. He rose up again. The Pharisees were afraid. Everybody is turning towards him now. Abraham saw Isaac dead, ashes, yet his faith was able to receive him back to life. Say to the Lord, increase my faith. Set my heart, Lord, on that which matters. Pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, set my heart on what matters. Let me be a redeemer indeed. Lord, increase my faith. Say, Lord, increase my faith. I want you to confess, do I walk the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil. What God is doing is that he's building your faith in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. Like I said before, you are being preserved for a salvation about to be revealed. Yes, you may go through difficult times, you may go through hardship. Don't let the devil win. He can't. We can't afford that. Hold on to your faith. It is faith. 
He said, beloved, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Diverse temptations. Say why? Because the trial of your faith works patience. Listen to me. Patience needs to have its entire work so that you'll be complete and entire, lacking in nothing. So you'll be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. It is through faith and patience that men inherit the promise. It is through faith and patience that people inherit the promise. Today I want you to see every adversity as a training in faith. He said, I made you hungry and I fed you with manna. Say to, all you need to do is say, Lord, what am I to learn? Say, God wants to see what's in your heart. And he wants you to understand some things. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Pray this evening. Say, Lord, reveal to me that word. Oh, God, I want to know it. That word I will live by. Give to me the bread for this season. That bread that supplies all your needs. You don't have money, but you will have that bread from heaven. Oh God, you will have that bread from heaven. You will have that bread from heaven. You will have that bread. When you have that bread, things that money can buy will come to you. Things that money cannot buy will come to you. It's called the bread from heaven. Say, man does not live by bread alone, but by that bread from heaven. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what man lives by. Take a moment and give a lot of thanks. Take a moment and give a lot of thanks.